Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. My name is Neil Crawford. I'm your host and also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. If you're not familiar with the Inside Scoop, it's a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available to their child if they lived in another city around the world. And last week was a special show, at least a special show to me, because we traveled to Ethiopia and spoke to Coach Teddy Vickers, who grew up in Ethiopia and then migrated to the States. And he was able to talk to us about playing soccer as a kid in Ethiopia and what it was like when he moved to uh, Franklin, Texas. I think it was Franklin, Texas, and that whole experience. And there were a couple of big takeaways. Number one was the importance of street soccer in his development and his passion for the game. Another takeaway was he, as a child, noticed that he was not as good as his peers. This is in Ethiopia. And he took it upon himself to get better. But I don't think he thought about it from a training perspective because he was a kid. But just, you know, constantly playing, looking at the best players. And it was that whole social pressure to improve your game. And I thought that was fascinating. And then finally, uh, for those who listen to the show, you know, my, my wife is Ethiopian. So my sons have a special, special connection to the country. And so it was great to listen to them, uh, listen to the show with them so they can learn what it would have been like if they had grown up there. And the jury is still out. They're still, I mean, we could always move, but in general, um, if they grew up there. And just helping them understand the, um, uh, and appreciate what they have here in the States in terms of soccer opportunities, but also understanding what, what they're missing, which is that street soccer culture that, that Teddy experienced. So if you haven't listened to that show, I encourage you to go back and listen to the inside scoop where we traveled to Ethiopia. It was a great show. It was inspiring. I think you can take a lot from it. And if you're in Texas, look up Coach Teddy. I think he's in the Austin area. They do training and various other things for kids um, as well. And this show is brought to you by Anytime Soccer Training. Anytime Soccer Training is the only training application with well over 5,000 training videos that go step-by-step, covers everything, and every video is 100% follow-along. And coaches can create teams, see that the players are doing it. It's a wonderful program, very affordable, and it's free to join. And I was just talking to a coach who I'm going to bring on from Canada um, um, as well. And one of the things he said in chat was when he first heard about the application was, oh, yeah, virtual training is important. And I had to explain to him that, yes, virtual training is important, but we're doing something that I that I believe is groundbreaking, which is we are mapping out the entire genome of technical development. And we're building a system that hopefully your child can use for a lifetime. And and, and the results have become amazing because we believe and we see with our own eyes every day that the combination of humans plus technology is better than humans or technology. And what that means is the children are following a step-by-step progression that allows them to manipulate the ball, allows them to work on different skill areas in a way that a human just could not design on their own. But you as a parent, as a coach, obviously 
have to give them passion, have to give them uh, instruction, have to give them inspiration, have to hold them accountable at times to get the most out of the program. And that's why we say use both. So that's enough of that. Check out anytime-soccer.com to learn more about what we do. Join the mailing list. Also, you can join the application for free. You get a lot of free content like this and some free training videos. Now let's get on to the show. Now this is going to be another quick show. I promise you guys I have a lot of shows that are going to be more logical, but every once in a while I'll see something on social media, Facebook, whatever, in the news that prompts me to do a quick show while it's fresh on my mind. And that's what we're going to do today. So in the Facebook group, as we speak right now, we're talking about this announcement that a New Jersey township made in order to deal with unruly parents. And this is in in baseball. And they effectively said, hey, if you are um, the consequence for being an unruly parent is that you have to referee at least three of the next games before you can attend a game again as a spectator. And I kind of took that as a tongue in cheek sort of way of raising awareness of the issue because i don't think it's practical for a lot of reasons (laughs) to get anybody to referee who is not qualified to ref or doesn't want to ref and i definitely don't want to find the the minority of unruly parents and get them refing so i think it was just to raise awareness and i think they did a good job of that because i actually saw the story on cnn in the interview Now, folks will have a view on how much of a problem this is. Some people say, hey, no, it's just the media capturing these people. We've always had a few bad apples uh, in any sporting um, league. And then some people say are saying, no, this is an increasing problem and our refs are quitting and blah, blah, blah. Wherever you fall on the spectrum, um, it's difficult to you know, to conclude if how much of a problem it is, because a lot of times all problem, many problems are local, but wherever you fall on the spectrum, um, I think this particular conversation we're going to have right now will still be relevant. Now, curbing this behavior or changing this behavior or cleaning up our sidelines is a multifaceted, will require a multifaceted approach with a multifaceted uh, set of Uh, solutions descriptions and i'm not going to tackle all of them that i believe or many of them in this particular show as a matter of fact it will take a lot of shows and probably even a book to really really do the subject justice but one particular um, comment that i commonly read was uh, thrown out there again today in response to a question i had and you know it prompted me let me go ahead and deal with this particular aspect of things while it's fresh on my mind and that's what i'm going to do today so a coach you know we were just talking on the chat and the coach effectively said this is a horrible idea for the reasons that i mentioned you know you don't want the bad apples to be referees and they're not even trained to do so anyways but then my follow-up question was okay i get that but um uh who is responsible for doing this and his response and i'm going to try to read it so bear with me he said uh effectively yes it's the coach so he said no 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 in the in the response he said it's a bad idea it's the coaches and clubs uh responsibility and i effectively said you know is that working are you sure it's the coaches and the club's responsibility to deal with the unruly parents and his response was yes it's the coaches and club's responsibility to control for me parent behavior is clearly spelled out in the communication 
immediately following team selection and tryouts. If I can't address it during the game, and then parentheses, I have walked across the field at halftime. Then I work with the ref to also halt the game until the parent leaves the complex. I would also have my DOC, in this case, I'm assuming director of coaching, and or other club officials come to the game if needed, which in this case, I'm assuming is in retrospect. So this incident has happened. Now they got to start coming to the game. That's the way I read it. And that is a very common response I hear, and I understand where they're coming from. But the problem is that does not work. And not only does it not work, <laughs> I don't think it's possible to work. And I'm going to try to argue why I, I, why I believe that's the case now. And I'm putting it out there for public consumption. So again, the question is, parenting, uh, parents are misbehaving. Coach and club should be responsible for it. I'm arguing that's not, it doesn't work now and it will never work. So why is that? Well, the first thing I got to do is frame this for you. Changing the way a person thinks is a nearly impossible endeavor. Many people, and some of my friends are listening to this now, have tried to change the way I think. And they would have been better served banging their head against a brick wall. And I have tried to change the way other people think. And again, I would have been better served banging my head against a tree. It's nearly impossible. Changing the way someone thinks in a short enough period to impact their behavior is even more impossible. Maybe over a long period of time, through a lot of consultation, a lot of talking, a lot of demonstration, I can slowly work at your heart and mind to get you to see things from a different perspective. If I'm lucky, that's hard. But to get you to do it in a relatively truncated amount of time to impact your behavior in a visible way, it's almost impossible. It's even more difficult to change the way someone thinks when you have a relatively arm's length relationship with them. I can't get the people I love to see things a certain way. I can't get my children to see things a certain way. I can't get people I have a lot of influence over, I deal with daily to see things the way, a certain way. To ask a coach who has an arm's length relationship with a parent to say, hey, I'm going to share some information with you that's so insightful that it's going to change the way you view this thing. I find this to be a few fool's errand, and I will be handing out bricks for the coach to smash against his head, as opposed to wasting his time trying to get parents to change the way they think about this thing. Changing behaviors without a concentrated, very strategic, well thought out plan of carrots and sticks and consequences and deterrence is nearly impossible. Changing behavior when all of that is in place 
it's hard and you might be able to get compliance, but it's really difficult. But changing behavior when you don't have that in place, it's pretty much impossible, right? And even if you are able to change behaviors in general, you're not going to get the 100% compliance you need for the bad apples not to disrupt whatever's trying to go, go on. Why am I going through this painstaking um, diatribe on how difficult it is? Because we had to really reflect on what we're asking our clubs and coaches to do. These are organizations who have made a promise to develop our children, spend time with our children, make sure our children have a fun environment, teach our children some stuff about soccer at any at a degree of, um, you know, at some degree, give them a competitive environment, organize the games, do all the administration, take care of all the insurance, get the fields, all of that stuff, entertain us in some to some degree, communicate with us. And now we're asking them, on addition to that, to change our grown behavior. I find this to be a very difficult thing. And I don't, and I think people throw this out there and I don't, I don't know if they've given it a lot of serious thought because I, and I don't mean it in a condescending way, but I, I just don't think that's works, right? It's hard. All right. So that's how I'm framing it. So now we framed it as you're asking the coach to do something that is extremely hard in the best of circumstances. And you're asking them to do it every year with a new crop, crop of people. I find this to be very difficult. So then the next thing you have to say to yourself is if we're going to talk about changing behavior and, it's in, and having the coach or the club involved is who is it their responsibility or not? Now, I know everything is not completely black and white, but at the end of the day, who is responsible for my behavior? Neil Crawford. To some extent, it's me, obviously. Not a lot of extent, it's me. But it sounds as if, if you make this argument that it's up to the coaches and the cl clubs to control, the coach has to be responsible as well, right? Because we just talked about how hard it is. If the coach is not responsible, asking them to take on this mammoth task that it's extremely difficult. The marketers spend billions, if not trillions of dollars a year trying to do it's almost virtually impossible. They're not, you're saying they're not responsible for it. So if they are responsible, then that triggers a lot of other things that need to be in place because this is ultimately a, a workplace question. All right. Now, I know I have been accused of overthinking something, overthinking things, and I am going to overthink it here, but I do think this problem, if you believe a problem, does require a little bit of overthinking, right? So here we go. We've decided that this is in the camp of responsibility. Well, if it's responsible, in order to hold someone responsible for something, there has to be a degree of accountability, right? But if you're going to hold someone accountable for something in the workplace, or even in a volunteer level, then I think some of these components, some of these things I'm about to lay out, not all, it's not an exhaustive list, have to be in place. Number one, it's got to be part of the job description. Now, job descriptions are not designed to be contractual things that you got to follow by the letter, but you got to at least admit it. And I actually don't know about this. I haven't seen enough coaching job descriptions. I've seen some, but I haven't seen enough coaching job descriptions that say, hey, 
as part of your job description, as part of your job duties, excuse me, controlling parent behavior is one of them, right? But I think you got to be transparent with the person if you're going to bring them onto this role that controlling parent behavior is part of your job description. But a job duties, but and it has to be laid out in the job description, excuse me. But if you're going to make it part of the job description, now you got to start, you have to have comprehensive, somewhat comprehensive training. And I use the word comprehensive to say it can't be, hey guys, this is part of your duties. No, it has to be continuous, annual, periodic, ad hoc training and professional development. Because you're asking someone to step in and do conflict resolution against something that's really, really difficult to do. It has, then you have to have policies in place. So, so not only in detail policies, so now you're saying this is part of your job description. We've taught you what, we've trained you on what needs to happen. And now we're going to have policies in place so that in guidelines, in the, in the event this situation occurs. So parent does this, you need to do this. Parent does this, you need to do this, this, this. And these are the steps, this is the order. And if you don't do this, then this, this, and this. Parent does this, this, these are the policies and guidelines. And within that policies and guidelines, we have to define what success looks like. What is a successful resolution to this, uh, to these de-escalation policies that you're saying should be in behaviors that should be implemented? And then you got to give them support. So it's not good enough for me to, you know, tell you it's your job duties so-called train you on them, then tell you what my policies and expectations are, but then give you no support to actually execute the job, right? So it's almost like in, in, in government, they'll pass a bill, right? And say, you know, it's illegal to do this. But then in terms of, of or pass a law, I should say. But in terms of enforcement, you know, just because you pass a law, you still got to pass uh, a bill or whatever to fund the enforcement of that law, right? Other than that, it's just, it's never going to get done because you're not enforcing it. Well, it's, that's the support piece, right? It's one thing to pass a law, but then you got to pass all this other legislation to get it funded or appropriated or whatever so that it's enforced. Well, that's an extreme example of what I'm talking about here. You know, you got to support the coach and what support mechanisms are you going to give to the coach or the club or the DOC in order to execute these job duties that you say they are responsible for. And if you're going, and then if you're going to hold them accountable, you got to have clear consequences, right? If you don't do this, these are your goals. This is, this is how we're going to, this is what success looks like. And if you don't do it, then these, this is what we're going to do. These are the consequences that you're going to face. But if you're going to have um, consequences, then you have to have some way of measuring objectively and subjectively whether or not success is actually um, made, actually achieved, right? Because now you're holding the coach accountable. You're giving the coach, you train the coach. You have given the policies. You've given the expectations. You've given them the resources. Now you got to have some consequences because it's not fair to one coach who is doing all the, um, going and battling with these unruly parents, right? And now everybody his parents don't like him. Parents go to another team in the same club. Coaches, you know, not doing all that. And parents love him. They can act a fool on the sideline. Now parent A, who was 
following the policies and the job duties uh, is a pariah among the parents, getting bad reviews among the parents. And Coach B, who was not getting great reviews, getting coach appreciation um, money, is not receiving any of the consequences. So you got to have clear consequences for not uh, following this, these policies and these job duties. But if you're going to have consequences, you got to have compensation, right? How many people, how many people have been at a job and uh, like me, I used to work at restaurants and service. I used to work at bars and, um, you know, fast food, like any teenager and all these places. And somebody started arguing a fight and the customers start arguing, fighting. And then I was a teenager. I'll never forget this. I went to one of the bartenders like, Hey man, they out there arguing in the parking lot. You need to go out there. And he looked at me like, that's not my job. They don't pay me enough for that. And what, and he's joking, but he's being serious. He, they not, they're not paying. He's paid to serve customers. He's paid to be polite. He's paid to answer questions. He's paid to be clean. He's paid to make sure that no one's drinking too much. All that. He is not paid to go outside and deal with a domestic violence uh, dispute. He's not paid to go outside and deal with two guys fighting with each other. He's not paid enough for that. It's not, he's not compensated. And I'm going to go so far as to say all the coaches I'm familiar with, and I don't know all of them. Of course, I'm told that every day. I don't know the whole country. I have never met a pet coach who's like, yeah, they pay me enough to go out there and battle with these crazy parents on the sidelines in addition to all the other stuff I got to do. That's 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 part of my compensation package. But if you're going to make this their responsibility, if you're going to throw this on there, they got to be compensated. And we've already talked about how hard it is to do this. That's why the referees are quitting because they are kind of technically paid to deal with spectator um, um, behavior to some extent. And they quit and like, hey, y'all not paying me enough to deal with this. All right. And then you got to have operational alignment, meaning I can't be a DOC of, you know, 30 clubs and then you telling uh, 30 teams and you telling me I'm also supposed to be responsible for making sure that all the parents behave at all these various games or something. So, now we if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, we talked about support, but you gotta have operational alignment. And that I don't know what that might look like for a club in order to control this parent behavior, but it's not good enough just to say it. It's almost like um, <laughs> you know, when they talk about wars and stuff, and they the generals always go to the president and say, Hey man, we need some more troops on the ground. It's not good enough to say we're gonna be in this theater. We need 80,000 more troops or something. So you got to have operational alignment in order to achieve this objective. So I went down a total, total, total rabbit hole on something so obscure that probably only two people are going to listen to. And I actually don't even know why I'm making this point. So I'm going to try to wrap it up. And then I do know why I'm making it. And I'm making a point to put it on the Facebook group to see what other people think. But I'm saying all that to say. I'm going to do a broader podcast on this, but listen, guys, the coaches, you're already asking them to work with our children. You're asking them for asking for more time. Now they got to be responsive. Our coaches don't in my older son's club, but our but coaches in general, you're asking them to be responsive to parent questions. You're asking them to write evaluations. You're asking them to come up with unique platforms practice plans that differentiate differentiate each kid and you got parents watching them like a hawk and then you expecting them to do well in the game not too well but well enough and blah 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 all this stuff we're asking them to do and now you're saying to them in addition to that 
you got to go out there and fight with 40 year olds who don't know how, who are behaving like eight year olds against 16 year old refs. Get in the middle of that as well and, and clean that up. And you're also saying, and you can mitigate, or sorry, you can navigate, I should say, the conflict of interest that comes from now you are arguing with Johnny's parents, but you got to compartmentalize that and not let that impact how you deal with Johnny. And you got to all, and then the parent who you arguing with, trying to get them under control, you know, and handle these games. Also, hopefully they're not uh, communicating badly about you to their child which is also going to impact your ability to influence that child blah 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 you asking the coach to get involved in all that and i just don't think i don't think that's effect i think if you think about it it's not effective it doesn't pass a common sense test it clearly is not working regardless of how you how much of a problem you think this is so in conclusion, I, I can't offer a specific solution because, again, everybody's situation is different. Every club is different, blah, blah, blah. But what I can say is if this is a problem, as much as a problem as people are saying it is, right? And again, no judgment there. But if it's a problem, then we have to be serious about how we're going to solve this problem. And so while I can't offer a specific solution, what I can say is other industries, other organizations who have been in this situation where they have to control their customers. And that's effectively what you're doing. You're, you're trying to control your customer's behavior. When your customers, when the culture is asking the when the culture is suggesting the culture the the customer does something differently so let me let me try to explain what i mean like our culture um dictates that we act relatively polite in restaurants so the restaurant industry doesn't have to get their heads together and figure out how do we change customer behavior people kind of know i wear shoes i wear a shirt I go sit down, I order my meal. When I'm done, I pay and then I leave. And they don't really have to try to get us to um, change how we would normally operate. The culture is there. But in youth soccer, it appears, uh, not just soccer, but youth sports, it appears that the culture is effectively saying, you know, you're entitled as a parent to... Um, uh, voice verbalize what you're actually feeling at that particular moment whether it's right or wrong so i so so i think a lot of things that we feel often are natural and they just they are what they are but the culture is saying oh you feel it you are now entitled to voice that immediately right and again no judgment on the parents in this in this particular respect there's judgment on the unruly ones but just in general I feel a certain way. I see something. I'm triggered. Now my response is to shout it out or verbalize it. It appears that that is an acceptable behavior among many people within our sporting culture, where if you were like going to a ballet or something and your daughter or your son missed a step, you probably wouldn't yell out, hey, you need to be over here or something. It's just not considered acceptable. All the other parents would look at you and say, what are you doing? But in youth sports, on the other hand, it's kind of like appears to be somewhat acceptable behavior. And now what we're saying is we want to change that behavior. And 
And we're thinking about in this particular conversation is saying, well, who is in the best position to change that behavior in industries and organizations who have had to change the behavior of their customers are not normally the ones who enforce the change. This is a very unusual thing. They normally get together, put some money into a kitty and they hire somebody else to be the bad guy. So so in South Carolina, for example, where I grew up, we had a big problem with drunk driving. Well, the beverage industry and the car industry didn't um, start making their customers preaching to the customers, but they did PSAs, but they didn't put governors on their cars where you couldn't drive over 35 miles an hour and then make it where you there was um, restrictions on the amount of alcohol you could buy from the grocery store. So they didn't do all that. They just put money into a to legislation to say, hey, we're going to have stiffer, or at least they did not veto legislation to say we're going to have stiffer, stiffer um, penalties for drunk driving. We're going to, um, you know, change the way alcohol is served at bars and whatever. I'm not trying to have that conversation, no political conversation. I'm just trying to give you an example to say it's very unusual for the actual industry participants to enforce the uh, behaviors they want on their consumers, on their customers. The customers, they just, that's just a very inherent conflict of interest. So what they do is they pay somebody else to be the bad guy. Again, if you're doing a concert, you know, you would be less inclined to be the band manager and the steward, right? Or, and the security, because you don't wanna be the one throwing your customers out of the, who don't know how to act out of the concert. So you hire security or you hire stewards or you hire marshals or whatever and let them be the bad guys. Well, I am not making this suggestion for youth soccer. What I am saying is it's completely a non-starter to expect the coaches and the clubs to police their customers. It puts the coach in an extremely difficult situation. Presumably, they're on the other side of the field. They're engaged in the game. They're trying to help your kids and you're asking them to stop what they're doing and deal with the 20%, not even 20%, the 2% probably of misbehaving parents uh, in the middle of a game and add that to the mix of other things they have to do. And I just don't think that's that's fair to them. So if 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 I am running a club and and I'm part of a league and I feel like this is that big of a problem where we got to address it, if I feel that way, then I'm basically having a parent behavior tax. And every parent who joins who has a kid in this club is going to contribute the equivalent of one dollar, less probably probably fifty cent, to somebody who stands on the sidelines in a yellow yellow jacket uh asking people to be quiet and reporting people to the league officials and just i don't even think the referee needs to deal with these folks if you believe it's that bad and if you don't if you don't think that's necessary uh i would love to hear your solution but in general when you want to try to change behavior in this way the solution needs to have some some money behind it so it's not good enough to say oh the coach should do it and then you're not putting any resources behind it because that typically doesn't work right you got to have some resources so i'm saying since parents don't are the ones who don't know how to act pass the cost on to the parents and bring somebody on there like a field marshal like they do in professional events they don't ask jose Mourinho. he's probably not a good example 
because he calls us about her calls. But they're not asking him to go out there and control the parent behavior. They're asking the field marshals to do so. So I went a little, little longer than I thought. I would love to hear what you guys have to think. This is, I was telling one of my um, listeners, we spoke on the phone call, on the phone, that when you do a podcast, it's a very vulnerable thing because you don't really get instant feedback. You don't get to hear what people think. So, you know, take it, take this as one of many grains of salt, but I would love to hear what you think. Again, this is Neil Crawford. I'm the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. Check out anytime-soccer.com. Uh, to learn more about what we do. And I'm going to share this on the Facebook group this week. I'd love to hear what, what people think. Let's get better together.